gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Jesus said to, to Nicodemus, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. August the 5th, 2000, was the day that changed everything. No, it wasn't some great day in history, but it was the day that changed everything for me. You see, that was the day on which I was ordained. Before that, I was just... Normal, everyday Stephen Mims. But on that day, I became Pastor Stephen Mims. And for me, what it meant was that the thing that I had dreamed of since July of 1991, the things that I went through my entire senior year of high school wanting to do, four years of college, four years of seminary wanting to do, jumping through all of the hoops that came with being ordained was finally here. And... I was going to be getting a paycheck, and so we weren't just going to be living on a teacher's salary anymore. That day changed everything for me. But the one thing I wasn't ready for, and maybe I should have been because I grew up in a pastor's house, but, but I didn't realize how differently people would immediately see me. I went into the church at about 1 o'clock that day, came out at about 3, and all of a sudden... Folks saw me in a very different light. It was insane. Now, again, I grew up in a pastor's house, and so I've always known that pastors are just normal people. I've had pastors around me forever. They're just like everybody else. But all of a sudden, I was Pastor Stephen Mims. And so, suddenly, I became this fragile little egg that people were so horribly afraid of offending. All of a sudden... No one would cuss in front of me at all. At least not without apologizing, right? We could be at a party together, both of us having an adult beverage. And then, as guys tend to do, eventually he'll come around, so what do you do? Well, I work in hardware. What do you do? I'm a pastor. And then what I would see is the person I was talking to take their drink and slowly move it behind their back. While I'm still holding one. Dirty jokes, never heard one since, because, you know, pastor. And then, you know, people find it absolutely forbidden to criticize me, at least to me, they'll tell everyone else, but no, certainly not the pastor, because I'm other than. That was really difficult to get used to, but now here's a disclaimer, I'm, don't read into anything I'm saying here. This is just an example. 
Because here's the reality. If I was a superhero, my name would be the unoffendable. Because the truth is, I'm the kind of person, it's very hard to offend. Which is a good thing. Because while people tend not to say bad words or off-color humor or any of those things around me, they have absolutely no problem criticizing my personal life. Things like my weight, my family, um, what my children do, where my children are going to school, uh, where we live, what car we drive, what I wear, um, how I wear it, and of course what we're going to name our children. Those things apparently are okay. And all of these things have been said to me at some point in the last 20 years. So if I was not the unoffendable, I would probably be somewhere in my office curled up in a little ball crying day in and day out. Because it's just the reality of what I do. But that's okay, you know? I mean, it's okay for me because I'm used to that. I kind of grew up with it. But now, here's the fact. While I'm not very easily offended, I'm kind of in the minority these days. Because as the late Rush Limbaugh used to say, the, we live in the nation of the offended. Case in point, some of you are offended that I'm quoting Rush Limbaugh right now. I mean, it seems like everything you do steps on someone's toes, right? I mean, words that used to be perfectly fine to, to, to say or describe someone are now completely off limits. Now, granted, some of these words were originally meant to hurt people, and they should be off limits. But other words, not so much. For instance, for example, the word crippled used to be how you would describe someone who could not get around very well. Well, that became offensive, and then it became handicapped, which became offensive, that became differently abled, which is now special needs. What's wrong with crippled? Someone somewhere decided that it was offensive. And so people get offended very, very easily these days, right? And not only that, they not only get offended because what you say about them, many people get offended on behalf of other people too, right? You go on social media and the offended police will jump on you in a heartbeat if you say one wrong word or have a comma in the wrong place. Because we are so easily offended. And so if you are those who think that all of this offensive stuff is blown out of proportion, just realize that some of it's a good thing. Because some of the things that we were saying did hurt other people. And out of Christian love, we should not want to hurt other people. However, if you're one of the offensive police, realize this too. People deserve grace, love, and mercy. Be nice. Teach but do it lovingly. And so I say all of this for this very reason. I'm about to offend all you people. Or should I say, Jesus is about to offend all you people. Because this, this gospel reading that we had today, this that includes the most famous verse in all the Bible, you know, the one that the guy used to hold up a sign with John 3.16 all the time, yeah, it's actually pretty offensive. We just don't realize it. It's become so familiar to us that it's kind of lost its meaning. See, what happened, what's going on here is Jesus is talking to a Pharisee named Nicodemus. 
Now, if you know much about the Gospels, the Pharisees usually are at odds with Jesus. But it says that Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, which means one of two things. It either means that he's coming to attack Jesus, or he's coming because he doesn't understand. And it's probably the second of the two, because he asks some pretty pointed questions. He's like, you know, you said we got to be born again. How am I supposed to do this? No, it's not like I can, you know, be born from my mother again. And so Jesus goes through all of this, and then it's, it's as if the narrator sort of breaks in. And Jesus goes, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, which is what we heard about in the, in the first reading, um, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, which as Christians would mean on the cross. And then he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believed in him may not perish but have eternal life. Yay! That's great news, isn't it? Martin Luther called that the gospel in miniature. That says it all. God loves the world so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, who sacrificed his life for you and for me and for everybody else who believes so that when we die, we don't die, but we have eternal life. That says everything we need to know about our faith. Everything. And yet, somehow, we take this verse of good news and we make it, well, maybe not such good news. Because there is that little phrase in there, for everyone who believes, right? And so that means, well, us and not them. And so we're on the inside and they're on the outside. So this is really good news for us, but not so much for them. And we're kind of okay with that. Unless, of course, we're having one of those doubting times. You know the doubting times. We've all been there, right? I mean, what happens if I'm having my doubts and it just pops into my head, you know, I wonder about this whole God thing. And then all of a sudden a truck just goes, and you're done. What happens then? Well, then that's not really good news, is it? Because everyone who believes, well, maybe I'm not on the inside. And that's not real good news. And good news that isn't good news isn't good news, is it? So what do we do with this? Because this passage not only talks about everybody who believes, then it talks about the judgment. Listen to this. It goes on to say, and it helps if I have my Bible right side up. It says, Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light comes into the world and people who love the darkness rather than the light because of their evil deeds. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Uh Uh-oh. So them and maybe us, we're going to come under judgment because we're in the dark, because we do bad things, right? Because one, at first it talks about believing, and now it's talking about but if we do bad things, well, let's be honest, we're all sinners. So is this really good news? And I haven't even gotten to the offensive part yet. Because the truth is, it's very good news. Because you see, somehow, people tend to leave out verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
And who is the world? Well, that's kind of everybody, isn't it? Everybody. No matter what. And this is when we start to struggle. This is when we get offended. Because, see, we're fine as long as we're the ones on the inside, right? As long as God's grace, God's love, God's mercy is just for us, that's wonderful. But what about those people? They don't deserve God's love. They don't deserve God's grace. They don't deserve God's mercy. They've done this. They worship that. They've done this. They don't believe that. They don't go to church on Sunday mornings like I do. They don't sing the same hymns we sing. They don't stand up and sit down throughout their service. They don't have communion. They have grape juice with their communion. They have wine with their communion. They baptize infants. They don't baptize infants. We have all of these things and all these criteria. And what God says is, no, I love the entire world. All of it. And you want to know what the judgment is? The judgment talked about here is not punishment. It's the reality of not believing. It means that you walk in darkness. That you're bumping into things. That you're going through life in total chaos. That's what it means when you don't believe. But those who believe walk in light. But see, there's some difficulty in that too. Because it means that our deeds are exposed. It means that we're laid bare before God and... God knows all of our good, all of our evil. It's all there. It's not that we're perfect people. It's that we're there exposed. And here's the reality. God loves us all. All of us. No matter what. Sometimes it's offensive that God would even love us. Because we might even have a problem loving us. And it's also offensive that God might love them. The worst of the worst. The outcast. The really bad sinners. We have a God. But it's our God. The way we paint the picture. The way we want God to be. And when God steps out of that box. Well, we just ain't having it. Here's the reality. Sisters and brothers. It's time for us to embrace the grace. God loves the world, all of us, so much. So many ways that we can't even begin to imagine how much God loves us. No matter what we've done, no matter how badly we've messed up, no matter what sins we committed, God loves us. And as, as much as that is, it's, he loves us so much that it's offensive because we don't deserve it and neither does anybody else. But we need to learn to embrace that. And so we've got, to, we've got to realize that that's how it is. And we've got to welcome that grace. And give thanks for that grace. Because whether we like it or not, God is in charge. God is in charge of our lives and God is in charge of our eternal life. And there ain't nothing we can do to add it or take it away. And by God's grace, we've been saved. Because of what God... God does. And what God did was he sent his only son to give his life for us. Yeah, it's offensive. It's offensive that somebody had to die for you and for me. But that's how much God loves us. Embrace that grace and share that offensiveness with others. Here's your permission to go out and offend people today. Love them with the kind of love that God loves you. Don't look at them for who they are or what they look like or what they talk like or how they act. Love them because God does. Love them to the point of, of offending them.
love them so much that they don't even know why you love them that much. Because that's how much God loves you. Ain't it great to be offended? Amen.